you're interested in running for school board, magistrate, or even state representative, you need Get Elected. From campaign websites and printed materials to platform development and strategy, Get Elected helps down-ballot Republican candidates reach more voters and win more elections on a tight budget. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, Pittsburgh, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. I'm Sam DeMarco, your host, joined here by my co-host, John Schneider, the executive director of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, and let's talk politics. John, do we have a great show here today. So many things happening. You know, the first polls have broken, which are giving us some information in regards to the U.S. Senate and the governor's race here in Pennsylvania. You have a board of elections in Allegheny County, just recently certified uh, the final results of the elections. We have, my gosh, you know, the articles are breaking. Is a January 6th commission continues their investigation. And as the Biden Justice Department continues to go after Trump voters and folks across this country. So there's a lot to talk to as we get into this later today. Now, we got a special guest joining us today. I am so excited to kick this off with a good friend of mine, Joe DeSaro. Joe is an American professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at Washington Jefferson College. In addition to his teaching duties, Joe is the chair of the Legal Profession Committee and the pre-law advisor and director of the college's pre-law program. He has been a pre-law advisor there at Washington Jefferson since 1978. Now, certainly doesn't look his age there. So, hey. You know. Thank you, Sam. Yes. He also serves as a faculty advisor for the Pre-Legal Society and Presidents for Liberty student organizations. I mean, Joe has done a phenomenal job. I can't go into all the things he's involved with, but I can tell you since I've been involved in politics, he has always been somebody that we have looked up to and respected and is frequently sought out by national media for his opinion on politics here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Listeners, please welcome Joe DeSaro. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you very much, uh, Sam. You are an old friend, and you have provided wonderful leadership for Allegheny County and the whole Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, And I appreciate this opportunity to talk to your listeners And after 45 years of being in Western Pennsylvania, being involved in Western Pennsylvania Republican politics, it has been a pleasure. But I think we're headed in a, oh, in a period that is going to be difficult. The midterms coming up, both our candidates are behind, namely Dr. Oz is behind by nine points in the polls to Fetterman and of uh, Colonel Mastriano, Doug Mastriano, is behind by four, four points with respect to Josh Shapiro, the Attorney General of the Commonwealth. This is going to be a very difficult midterm for the party, and we need strong local leadership, and we need a continuation of bringing attention to the Republican Party, to our candidates, and uh, I really have enjoyed over the years, uh, your work, and you're bringing uh, people such as Senator Cotton, Senator Cruz, and of course, Governor DeSantis. Uh, And I don't know if you've seen that poll, but Governor DeSantis has pulled ahead of Donald Trump with respect to the Republican. Joe, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is an early earthquake in Republican politics. You know, we've seen in the past few months, when these polls have been out there, that Ron DeSantis, who is really a culture warrior, you know, for conservatives across this nation, is making ground and moving up in the polls. And this is not the first poll. I mean, we saw a couple of others that had been out uh, where he was pulling ahead of the president. And so, yeah, this is uh, the former president. This is very exciting. You want to tell us more? Well, my feeling is that DeSantis is a very strong candidate especially with respect to Pennsylvania. He is from Aliquippa. He's a market-oriented conservative. He's a social conservative. He's very charismatic. He knows how to keep the audience involved when he speaks. And uh, thus, I think this is a positive factor. I I, uh, certainly admire President Trump, ex-President Trump, but it may be time for the Republican Party to move ahead, and I think DeSantis is the right 
person at this time. He has certainly proven that in Florida. And as they say in in eastern Pennsylvania, let me not just say Philadelphia, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And his record in Florida is exceptional. It may be the best record of any governor in the entire country, whether it's handling pan- the pandemic or the economy or his just overall approach to governing. Oh, there, Joe, there's no doubt about it. And I think what's really crazy here is when you look at what he's done, I mean, if if we if Ron DeSantis had not been elected governor of Florida and Andrew Gillum had, and I don't know how many people realize how close that election really was. I mean, we're talking yes. 30,000 votes. It yes. was 0.4%, okay? But if yes. he hadn't been, then we really, this whole COVID thing would have played out differently because it was Ron DeSantis that was pushing back on the lockdowns, the closures, and showing that, hey, you know, you can still be free, right, and deal with the pandemic. You know, everyone else, I mean, look what we were dealing with in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You know, we had a governor that was trying to govern by fiat, closing our businesses, you know, ordering, closing our schools. I mean, it was it was absolutely insane, and none of None of the policies made sense. You had restaurants were allowed to be open at 75% capacity at certain periods. Then you had hotels and banquet facilities. They were only allowed to be at 25%. Okay. You had some businesses that were closed down and then others were open due to a waiver process. He was declaring what businesses were essential and what businesses weren't. None of this made any sense. Right. I mean, it it was just insane. And, And DeSantis he did it the right way. And despite all the media attacks, I think his methods and policies have been proven that they worked and that that was the right way to handle this. Sam, I agree with everything you said. And let me add this point. What he did in Florida served as a model for the rest of the nation. If you recall the numbers with respect to infections, was about the same, if not lower, in Florida compared to New York or California. He set an alternative path for governing that preserves liberty. And liberty is what this is all about. Once you've lost your liberty, the government then owns you. Well, absolutely. Look, look, in this pandemic, look at the, the distinction and how things were handled in Florida and California. Florida was open. They promoted people getting out into the open air, okay? In California, they closed everything, and they didn't want to allow people at the beaches. Are you kidding me? They're forcing people back indoors. I mean, this was this is absolutely insane, right? So, no, I, I think we have a, a great uh, candidate here, should he choose to run in 2024 in Ron DeSantis. But, uh, hey, right now, He's, he's focused on his November 2022 re-election to governor. And I can tell you right now that I'm quite certain that his margin of victory in November is going to be significantly higher than it was in November of 2018. I would agree, uh, Sam. There are, we are on the precipice of just falling into an economic abyss. Uh, the Wall Street Journal today said of the president, President Biden You're engineering us into a recession. We have high inflation. We are going to go into a recession in a few months, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. And the president's approval rating is only at 33%. He does not have the support of his base. He certainly doesn't have the support of independents or Republicans. But he has lost also the support of Democrats. And this is very, very bad for governing. Uh, he is looking for answers for this crisis. And basically, he's come up with what the papers or the media call gimmicks. Look at this notion of dropping the federal gas tax. That will cost, if you add it up, not only in perhaps bridges in Pennsylvania falling down, creating very hazardous road conditions, but it'll cost $25 billion per year. 
if they drop the gas tax. Now, there's an easier way to deal with the gas problem, the energy problem, and that is production. Increase supply. We have plenty of supply in Pennsylvania. You don't hear uh, Mr. Shapiro, Attorney General Shapiro, talking about that. I don't know if you've seen his latest uh, idea, or let me not call it an idea, his latest gimmick, and that is a $250 check for every car you have registered under your name or your uh, son or family or daughter. That check would go out. It would cost the Commonwealth $2 billion a year. I mean, does he say anything about supply? Does he say anything about trying to encourage more drilling, a return to the energy independence that we had only a couple of short years ago? The answer is no. This is a very, very short-sighted and political maneuver by the attorney general, who is the uh, going to be the uh, candidate of the Democratic par- Party for the governorship. But unfortunately, we are behind by four points with our candidate. Well, uh, and here is where I say that we need very, very strong local leadership to turn out to vote and to make sure that our candidates are victorious in the fall. Well, Joe, I think, you know, what you just discussed there, I mean, just emphasizes William F. Buckley's point that he'd rather be governed by the first 500 names, you know, in the phone book, okay, than the folks down there in Congress. And, you know, despite all these lofty degrees that they hold from these Ivy League institutions, it seems that they fail to understand the basics of supply and demand. And you're absolutely right. That's correct. I mean, this is very simple. Isn't, if we, it, isn't it bizarre? Yes. If we <laughs> if we want prices to go down, a, you increase the supply. Let me ask you, uh, Sam, uh, Mr. Chairman, do you ever look out there and you see President Biden and he's looking across the ocean to Saudi Arabia to try to get more supply? He's looking beyond the Caribbean to Venezuela to try to get more supply. Did you ever think that an American president would go begging uh, to a dictator such as Maduro in Caracas, Venezuela, or the king of Saudi Arabia? I mean, what is your view? You're a practical person. and uh, You're in a leadership position. I am so I'm shocked by it. Absolutely shocked that a, that a pr- American president, let's use the cliche, would go hat in hand to dictators, monarchs for more petroleum when we have an ample ample reserve of petroleum in this country. And uh, the other thing that is most troubling to me is that they're always the President Biden and others in the Democratic Party are consistently looking for the boogeyman. Who is at fault here? It's not me. It's not my party. It's not the Congress, the presidency. Oh, it's the... I'll tell you who's at fault. Corporate executives he is blaming now. He's calling them to uh, sort of attack them, the, the various heads of the oil petroleum industry. He's calling them to the White House so he can browbeat them. Uh, this is the wrong way to go. Uh, uh, this is, as you previously mentioned, it is a supply problem. Uh, the rules of the uh, of demand and supply are not that tough to figure out. Well, Joe, I, I mean, I'm an older guy here. I'll be 64 in September, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I've been around a while. You're and I was going to say, guy. when I said I know who to blame, I was just going to say who he's blaming, Putin. Putin's to blame for everything, oh, right? And oh, I just love another one. Oh, well, here, but here's here's what's different, Joe. Uh, senior United States officials are now pushing back on the president when he says these things. You saw him trying to blame Putin for inflation, and Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, came out and said, "Nah, you know, inflation was up 435 percent before, or prices had increased 435 percent before the invasion of Ukraine." All right. And so, but you're right. He's always trying to blame someone else. And again, weren't we told when he was elected that the adults were back in charge? I mean, maybe they're adults, but they're stupid adults, okay? Because nobody could make this up. 
I was saying that I'll be 64 in September, and I never thought in my lifetime that I would see the United States of America, the greatest nation to ever grace the face of this earth, suffering from third world problems like that we have today. You know, Sam, <clears throat> Sam let me interrupt you. And sure. Uh, having uh, uh, been to Europe many times and examining the market conditions in Europe over the years, where uh, last time I was back was a number of years ago, a kilogram of beef would be 40, 50 euros. Uh, gasoline, not unusual for gasoline to be somewhere from a low of 7 to $10 or 6 to 9 euros. It, this is what we're headed for. And the other thing that is very problematic is that as an American, that I've lived in this country since I was two years old, I was born in Italy, uh, I never thought I'd see the day where I'd walk into a supermarket or uh, Home Depot and there were empty shelves. Mm -hmm. Never. Never. Not once. And I don't know what's going on in the White House. Maybe it's maybe it's that they just don't know what's going on, don't care what's going on. There is an incompetence there. That's for sure. I don't know. Maybe don't care is too strong. I won't say that about President Biden. But I think there's an incompetence there. To Again, getting back to our economic analysis of not understanding the basic laws of economics, supply chain issues in America. When was it that you, I went into an auto parts place and they didn't have the strip that you put on the side of your door to prevent nicks? I mean, this is, and the guy said to me, he says, well, Joe, I'm not sure when we'll have it in. I never heard that. Yeah, invariably the person would say, you can pay for it now, I'll have it here in a couple of days. <laughs> well, here's the thing, uh, it Joe. Is, it is, uh, it is, uh, this is, this is bordering on the bazaar. Well, here, here's the thing, okay? We can, we can look at it one way and try to chalk it up to incompetence, okay? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you have to question whether some of this is on purpose because, for example, with the gas prices, sure. you see his Secretary of Energy, failed Governor Jennifer Granholm from Michigan, come out and talk about, oh, this is a great opportunity to transition to electric vehicles. I mean, again, uh, most mm -hmm. people can't afford fifty-five dollars to $65,000 electric vehicles. Secondly... In order to take and charge those electric vehicles, you need to be able to have electricity on the grid. And they're shutting down all the power plants. I mean, out there in California, you have brownouts now where they purposely shut down the grid because they can't power it, you know, when the weather is hot or things of that nature. That's I mean, correct. so how can you not look at this and think some of this is on purpose? I think some of these people, they don't understand. They talk about renewables in regards to energy. Hey, renewables are great, but they're nowhere at the point where the technology is mature enough for it to actually work, you know? And, and while we here in the United States, since President Trump had come in, you know, he withdrew us from the Paris Climate Accords, but because of natural gas, we decreased our carbon emissions more than all those other countries combined. I mean, it's just crazy. No, no right? question. Even by that is an excellent point. I agree with you. There is probably a sinister motive here of those who want to eliminate fossil fuels, period. And they see the rise in gas taxes, excuse me, in gasoline and the taxing of gasoline, the taxing of Pennsylvania is way too high, in my opinion. Uh, this, is, uh, this could be the sinister side of it. Get rid of fossil fuels through price, through making it so expensive. Uh, that is the, that's of course uh, the Green New Deal people. That uh, that could be. That's part of it. It's incompetence. It's those who favor getting rid of fossil fuels, which we are nowhere nowhere close to eliminating fossil fuels. Furthermore, they don't even want the new. Uh, there is a new uh, level of nuclear plants that are extremely safe, that are clean. And they're opposed to nuclear. France, as you well know, Sam, relies on nuclear. Why? Because France, since the great General de Gaulle, President de Gaulle, knew that a nation must have a military and must have energy. 
in order to be considered a first first line nation state. So we are losing we're losing our status as a as a nation because our military is going down. Uh, and uh, as you well know, we are no longer energy independent. You must have both to be considered, uh, certainly to be considered a superpower. Uh, and uh, right now, when I look at Beijing and I look at Moscow, they are not uh, very much concerned with the position of the United States on on anything, <laughs> you know, on anything. Right. The Russians are playing with us. The Chinese are laughing at us. No, yeah, there's no doubt that we really are in a serious world of hurt here. You know, and people talk about elections and they say that this is the most important election of our lifetime. Never, never, you know, in my lifetime did I feel that it was more applicable than it is today. Okay. And, you know, this is just 2022, which we're looking at here this November. I mean, it's extremely important, but it's not going to be enough. You know, 2022 can just help stop the bleeding and introduce policies that can turn some of this around. But we really need to win in 2024 as well in order to be able to pass legislation that will put those policies into effect, which can increase supply there, right, <clears throat> which can take and reduce the inflation that we're facing, that can address the supply chain issues that we have, that can secure the southern border and stop the flow of opioids and fentanyl coming across the border and causing death throughout our country. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? There's no doubt. But the, uh, to return to the economic issue, uh, when the American economy gets to the point where you're getting almost close to double-digit inflation, and as you well know, that employment is starting to decrease, the papers are replete with stories of companies saying, sending out letters, well, we know we were going to hire, we know that, but we're terribly sorry, we can't hire you. Uh, we are going to get to the point where we were during the Jimmy Carter era, uh, which nearly brought this country uh, to a standstill. And if it wasn't to the great Ronald Reagan, God only knows where we would be. Uh, this is, if you look also, if you look at Europe, America goes down. We are very much dependent on Europe. The inflation rate in England is over 9%. Mm-hmm. Our our economies with the Europeans, the British, are very much intertwined, well, uh, and we have we just we're just waiting here. I don't know what the administration is waiting for. How much worse do things have to get? And the, let me add just one point: given our relationship with Ottawa, with Canada, and with Mexico City, this this hemisphere is. Very, very powerful. Economically, natural resources, we have plenty of labor. There's no reason for the United States to be down, Sam, other than incompetent leadership. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we talk about incompetent leadership. I want to circle back for just a moment. You know, you talked about uh, the the Biden plan. They want to reduce the federal gas tax, okay, which will save folks, what, 18 cents a gallon? (laughs) The average person less than 30 cents a day? Okay, yes, um, yes. And, and again, and they want to bring the executives of oil companies in to browbeat them, you know, when they won't do anything to increase the supply or to add refining capacity. And this reminds me back when Nixon and then Carter tried price controls and things of that yeah. nature. And we yeah. should all recall, many of us my age or, or older, and we remember sitting in those gas lines, right? Unbelievable. You know, yep. where you could only get gas on even and odd days based upon the last number of your uh, license plate. I mean, was, this is where we're headed. Sam, let me add, it was certainly not the nation of plenty. No, no. And now we've reached, I think we've returned to it or pretty close to it. And my feeling is this will be worse. But oh, well, we're, we're going to see. Wrong. Well, hey, Joe, like we just I'm talked wrong. about here, you know, we spent some time talking about a lot of things on the national level here, right? The sky high record inflation, highest it's been in over 40 years and anticipating it going up. We talked about gas prices. The United States has never seen gas prices previously you know, in our history at the level they're at. We talk about the supply chain crisis, you know, the lack of folks being able to feed their infants. Okay? Can, Can you, you believe that? 
I mean, I mean, I that's why I'm talking about third that, world that problems. You know, we're supposed to be a first world country. That's right. You hit that is that's that's incredible. We had to, as, as you know, the Biden administration had to negotiate with Ireland to get more milk products into this country. I mean, I can't. Yeah, is this is this insane? And then totally. the Biden administration wants to show, oh, we're doing something. They load pallets on a C seventeen in Europe and fly them here. I mean, really? And how about how about you want to talk about outrageous? And while our families can't find infant formula on their shelves, they're sending pallets of this down to the border, you know, to to feed the families of the migrants that are illegally crossing this border. I'm telling you what, I mean, I'm not just angry, I'm angry, I'm outraged, all right? And every American should. Now, hey, Joe, uh, we're going to have to take a break here because uh, we've got to pay the bills. But what I want to do, I want to hold you here for after the break because we've talked about all this stuff on the national stage. I want to talk how it's going to affect Pennsylvania and where we go from here afterwards. So please stick around. Folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. I'm Sam DeMarco. We'll be back after the break. Republican committees large and small trust get elected to help them reach more voters, find more volunteers, and raise more money. All to get more conservative candidates elected to important down-ballot positions. And all for less than most of us pay for cable. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant on the Room here with Sam DeMarco on WJAS 1320 AM. Hey, we're back with our guest, Joe DeSaro head of the political science department at Washington Jefferson University. In the last segment, we were just talking about all the serious issues and problems facing this country. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about energy and how the incredibly high cost of energy are taking like almost $5,000 a year, coupled with inflation, out of the average consumer's or family's pockets. Joe, do you want to expand a little bit more on what you were telling us? Yes. Uh, first of all, Sam, I've stepped down as chairman of the department. I'm only a professor and I'm on sabbatical. I'm writing a work on Italian immigrants to the United States and their accomplishments and how much we have prospered, Italian-Americans across this great country, from my hometown of Westfield, New Jersey, to San Francisco, and now I consider Pittsburgh my hometown since I've lived here for 45 years with my wife. But the impact of inflation. This is a hidden tax on every person. And this will create a situation whereby individuals will have to forego things that we considered very basic, whether it's a new bicycle for your daughter or son, or whether you want to replace your automobile because it's getting beyond 10 or 15 years old, or whether you want to go buy another pair of glasses Uh, with a different frame that you could see better out of, it is going to impact every aspect of a person's life. I am of the opinion that Pennsylvania will be impacted even more than, let's say, Florida and other states, given our dependency on the shale industry, which has disappeared. I would disappear is too strong. But if you go over to uh, South Point, which at one time was a mecca for energy business transactions. Law firms have closed down. Restaurants have closed down. It is rumored that Consol will be not there much longer. It's not renewing its lease. I used to go through South Point and there was traffic. You couldn't get a seat at the Hilton Garden Inn at the Jackson's Restaurant. You couldn't couldn't get a room at the Hilton Garden Inn. And now, if you look at some of the parking lots, I just drove through there last week. There were only nine cars parked in Console, Consolation Energy's parking lot. Wow. And we are looking at a very serious economic situation. And I am very concerned with the gimmickry of the presumptive leader of the Democratic Party, namely Mr. Shapiro, Attorney General Shapiro, and his ideas. He doesn't talk about energy. He doesn't talk about bringing back the shale industry. He talks about handing people checks, spending money which we do not have. This is a a bit of, (laughs) this is a journey into the bizarre the economic of no man's or no woman's land. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there vis-a-vis the opposition. They are not providing, as we well know, we are well aware of the failures of the Wolf administration and the lack of creativity 
initiative. Let me just give you one concrete example. What is wrong with a pipeline from western Pennsylvania to the port of Philadelphia? What is wrong with that? They claim that it was environmentally something that might not work out that well. Really? I mean... <laughs> well, pipelines are the safest in- mode of transport, Thank you know, for oil and gas. But they, they simply said no. You know. Right. They've done... The Wolf administration has done nothing to encourage the development of our resources in Pennsylvania. And in fairness, I can't think of one industry that's doing all that well in Pennsylvania except agriculture. Well, we're not. We're, we're, we're in the lower, you know, last 10 states in almost everything as far as rankings. But Joe, one of the things that I want to point out to all of our listeners here, okay, many people may have seen, or maybe just a few people, I see it all the time because I'm deeply involved here in politics. But, you know, you talk about the registration numbers. I mean, Republicans have really, really closed the gap here, you know, in regards to voter registration in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I mean, just, you know, 10 years ago, Democrats had like a 1.2 million registered voter advantage. And now it's down to like 550,000. Okay, and every day we see more and more Democrats and more and more independents registering as Republicans. Now, why do they do that? I mean, I think they're waking up to the fact that the Democrat Party is trying to sell them a mirage. You know, the Democrat Party comes out and says, hey, we're the party of the working man. We're the party of the little guy. Yet inflation and high energy costs, as you talked about, it's an insidious hidden tax that is incredibly regressive because it hits people at the lower income levels much, much harder than any other thing out there. So you have families out there. You know, some of these folks on fixed incomes, they're gonna have to make a choice between do I pay my electric bill or do I eat, okay? I mean, this is just absolutely insane. And you talked about Josh Shapiro, who is the Democrat nominee for governor here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 2022. I mean, this guy, he said nothing and pushed back. He actually approved Governor Wolf locking us into Reggie, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Yeah. And that's going to increase electrical costs or electricity costs for all the consumers in Pennsylvania by 30 to 40%. This guy has done nothing. And the building trades can't get a straight answer out of him as to where he stands on this. And, you know, I can tell you where he stands on it. He supports it because the Democratic Party is a loose affiliation of different constituencies cobbled together to try to take and keep them in power. And one of those constituencies is the green and environmental movement. So Shapiro, because very, he has these very, he has these future long. ambitions, yeah. will not take and push back against these folks and actually do something that would serve the people of Pennsylvania better and best. And he's going to try to play these smoke and mirrors. Oh, I'll send you $250. I'm sorry, Mr. Attorney General. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Attorney General. You're going to have to do better than that, than just waving the $250 check in front of people's eyes. You're going to have to deliver results. And you failed to do so is Attorney General. If you're not doing the job, look at crime in Philadelphia. If you're not doing the job you have today, why in the world will we promote you to a different one tomorrow? Well, I, I don't know who is the leader of the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania. Is it Mr. Shapiro? If it is, he has certainly not demonstrated leadership. That is a certainty in my opinion, because some of his gimmickry, he will not go beyond. This is a case, Stan, let me let me use this phrase. Mm-hmm. This is a case of the tail wagging the dog, because this so-called environmental movement or Green New Deal that comes from the national picture out of Washington, this is simply a constituency which they will not go against. He has shown no independence, thus he has shown no leadership. He should simply stand up and say, I am a Pennsylvanian first. We have tremendous energy reserves. We are going to build a pipeline. We're going to sell natural gas to Europe, which no longer has the blank check from Russia. And our people in this Commonwealth are going to do far better economically than the rest. That is a simple statement. But will Mr. Shapiro do that? No. Because, again, it's the tail wagging the dog. The environmentalists, those who want to end fossil fuels, those who oppose pipelines, for, let me use this pun, from some pipe dream, not from evidence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, right. I can tell you that uh, Josh Shapiro is not the leader of the Democratic Party here in the state of Pennsylvania yeah. because last weekend the Democrat State Committee had their uh, state committee meeting and they voted not to elect as their new chairman Josh Shapiro's recommendation. Josh was supporting uh, the Southeast Democrat Caucus Chairman Gerald Lawrence, 
And he'd put out an email in support of him. And, you know, I understand, I mean, they were threatening people and doing everything they could up there. Yet the Democrats elected state Senator Sharif Street from Philadelphia to be their state chair. So, you know, obviously, Josh Shapiro doesn't have as much power as he would like to. And I think that that could come back to bite us. And that's something that hopefully our nominee, you know, State Senator Doug Mastriano, will be able to capitalize on, you know, as he hits the campaign trail and tries to, uh, you know, win this battle here in November. Sam, you're absolutely right. His leadership is questionable. But to speak to your point on our candidate for governor, he is four points behind. What is more problematic is nine points behind than Oz is with respect to Lieutenant Governor Fetterman. Um, The stakes are high. Control of the Senate could be determined from the senatorial uh, race here in Pennsylvania. The Senate seat here could determine control of the Senate. Uh, I don't know how we're going to make up this nine points. Uh, And uh, the four points on the gubernatorial side may be a little bit easier. Uh, But uh, we've got a tough race, and we need every local Republican leader to come up and stand up, fess up, move ahead, and build a coalition of individuals, groups, to make sure that we win both seats. Otherwise, I fear the worst. Uh, I fear that our economy will uh, suffer, and uh, uh, we will have a situation whereby energy prices will skyrocket. And our energy industry, right now, it's it's basically gone. You know? And that you've got to add in all the people to get royalties uh, from the shale that they found on their farm and the, uh, on their property here in Western PA. That will evaporate uh, if the uh, situation continues with this notion that somehow we have to get rid of fossil fuels. That is a panacea. Getting rid of fossil fuels is just not the answer. And it's it's not a solution unless you're going to replace them with something substantive like nuclear. Right. Listen, I'm a you know, a Westinghouse. But it would take, you know, how long it would take to build a small nuclear plant, the regulation nuclear plant in outside of Pittsburgh or somewhere in Pennsylvania. It cost a uh, first of all, cost of fortune. Second, the, the regulations would take years to comply. Years. Well, see, and, and that's the thing that people don't understand. The, the cost in building a plant like that isn't all in the cost of actually building the plant itself, but yeah. it's all in the permitting process, the environmental reviews that need to be done, you know, the regulatory Correct. issues and things like that. And this is stuff that needs to change because you know nuclear energy is indeed safe today. And you know, we talk Westinghouse is headquartered here, you know, in Allegheny County, uh, or maybe just outside there in Cranberry, okay? Yes. But, uh, I mean, th- these folks, I mean, th- there's new reactors that they've designed and they're being built you know, elsewhere in the world here. They're just incredibly yep. safe. We need to use that technology here. If folks are serious about, you know, uh, reducing the carbon footprint of our nation, you have to incorporate nuclear energy because nuclear energy produces whether the wind blows or not, whether the sun shines or not, right? So it's a consistent source. And if you're trying to transition to things like electric vehicles, you have to have something that can take and charge them so that it power them. So (laughs) it's incredibly important that we use that. But, hey, I want to go back, Joe. You were talking about the polls, okay? Right. Yes, I would much rather be in a position where we were four points and nine points up, okay? Sure. But at the same time, a poll is just a snapshot in time, right? And a lot of things can happen before the election. You know, and when we talk about Joe Biden, his Build Back Better plan, the only uh-huh. thing that Joe Biden's building back better is the Republican Party. And we just got through a divisive primary here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We had a large number of candidates on both the Senate and the gubernatorial ballots. So that's primary was just happened a month ago. You know, I spoke at a Dr. Oz event a couple weeks ago, and the point I made to everybody was this. Folks, the election... The primary election and the debate is over. We have a slate. We have nominees that we need to move forward with. And it doesn't matter. I don't care where you were on May 17th. What I care about is where you are today. You need to get into the boat. You need to get on the train. You need to climb into the car because we're moving forward. And we don't want to leave anybody behind. Okay? And we can only win this if all of us are moving in the same direction. So I ask all the people out there who supported a different candidate, now is the time for them to get on board 
with the slate that we have to move forward because this election is so important. And I asked the people that were with our slate initially to be magnanimous and welcoming to the other folks that are joining the team, okay? We're all on the same side. We all recognize that our republic is at stake. We all recognize the challenges that are out there, but we can only overcome them if we can elect someone willing to do things like sign a bill to repeal Act 77 or sign a bill for election reform or sign a bill that will take and allow a pipeline, you know, to go across this, this state here, right, to take and leverage the incredible natural resources we are blessed with in Pennsylvania, you know, and help, help supply our allies and, heck, the northeastern United States. You know, they talk about carbon, and these folks are still using fuel oil, one of the dirtiest things out there. It's insane what we do here, and you have to, any reasonable, intelligent person has to look at the way we do things here and say, what the heck are they doing? I mean, you know, if 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 Star Trek was real, you hear all these people talking about unidentified flying objects and something like that. If a visitor from outer space came down here and looked at how we do some things, I mean, they're going to radio back to their to their headquarters that we're some of the dumbest people out there in the in the universe because well, I mean, there's no consistency, you know, or no logic behind so many of the policies that are in place today from our elected officials, you know, in our state capitals and in Washington. What do you think? I agree with you. I think there is uh, inconsistency. I think there is incompetence. And I think there may also be a sinister side to all this policy coming basically out of Washington and to a certain lesser extent out of Harrisburg. Uh, We need strong, creative leadership. We need to return to basic economic principles. We need to build our supply. We need to build our manufacturing base. We need to provide employment for the residents of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We need basically to move forward on projects which are vital to us, such as the pipelines. And we need to return to energy independence. They were talking about Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh being the energy capital of the world. Is anyone talking about that now? No, no one is. Go to South Point, drive around. Very few cars, restaurants closed, businesses closed, law offices closed, rooms are going begging. They built a new hotel there that they thought would be full. It is very, it is less than 50%, far less. So the the stakes are high for this race. And I agree with your other point, uh, Sam, that we are united and we are going to be even more united as we uh, progress here. And I will applaud uh, uh, certainly Dave McCormick, who came out, conceded the election and encouraged everybody to unite behind Dr. Oz. Uh, and uh, this is the kind of leadership we need, and we need strong local leadership to help the various groups that make up the Republican Party coalesce and focus on the defeat of Lieutenant Governor, Governor Fetterman and, of course, Attorney General Shapiro. If we lose both, we'll be in a difficult situation. But let me not speak of just the political party here. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania will be. We'll have higher costs. We'll have problems in supply chain. We'll have fewer opportunities. And every member of this Commonwealth, every person living here, will be paying far more for everything. For basic necessities, luxury items will be eliminated. As you know right now, very few, very few restaurants are open all week anymore. And this was due, of course, to the failed policies of Governor Wolf, the lockdowns, the closing of restaurants. That this was, this was the theater of the absurd. Period. Oh, you're I absolutely mean, right. Yep. I mean, you go in, and I was just talking to one of my uh, owners of one of my favorite restaurants. He says, "Joe, this is what we have. We we have lost our customer base, and uh, we have trouble getting food and other." commodities at a reasonable price. We are also strangled by the Liquor Control Board of the Commonwealth, which charges these restaurants high prices, as you well know. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, we, uh, unfortunately, this puts us at a very bad competitive position Would- because the states that border on us do not have uh, the liquor control board as we do in Pennsylvania. Certainly West Virginia doesn't, Ohio doesn't, and New Jersey and New York do not. So, uh, and Maryland, of course. <laughs> well, Joe, you, you brought up a couple points here, and let me touch on a few. You know, one, in regards to the restaurants and things you talked about, one of the other problems was uh, I talked about the insanity behind the Wolf executive orders and closures and things like that. Yes. He would come out and announce something at 430 that all the restaurants had to shut down like at eight o'clock at night. You know, they'd come out at the last minute and say for, for the holiday weekend, you got to be closed, right? <laughs> With no, no forewarning for these folks, many of them had ordered food, okay? Because they were stocking up, you know, for the holiday weekend or the different things. And how much money did they lose? You had spoilage and things like this. He took and put people out of work by shutting he down did. businesses. And he had an unemployment system that didn't work. You had millions of people that were out of work that couldn't even access the unemployment system to be able to obtain relief. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up, but hey, I digress. That's one part there. I also wanted to comment, you know, you were absolutely right. I don't think David McCormick could have been more gracious in his concession speech. You know, Dr. Oz and, you know, I had known I'd spoken to him and he told me he committed to helping and supporting, uh, you know, Oz as he tried to win the Senate race here. As a matter of fact, later today, uh, McCormick has what he calls the Keystone Fest, where right. he's invited so many people from across the state, you know, right. to uh, join him in a celebratory thank you for everything that you did here this year. And I know from talking to him, he wants to make this an annual event in Pennsylvania and move it to different parts of the state, you know, each year. So you know, he's doing a, a great job there. <coughs> and I can also share with the listeners here, uh, I think that Senator Mastriano is on to something. I was fortunate enough to join him on two calls this week. Mm-hmm. And he's saying all the right things. You know, he talked about he he understands that unity is important. That there were people out there that didn't support him, but he's now the nominee, and he hopes that they can come together and we can join to move forward here. You know, as one team because electing governor electing Shapiro as our governor is just unacceptable. I mean, it'd be like a third term of Governor Wolf only after Governor Wolf got mean and cranky. Okay, and so that's unacceptable. So you know, Senator Mastriano. He said that he was keeping a low profile initially because he wanted to give it time to heal, you know, after the primary. And, uh, you know, again, listen, I, I told him that I had not been an initial supporter. As a matter of fact, I'd been a vocal opponent. But I said, as any good soldier Marine does, you know, after the debate or the primary is over, you get in line and you come behind and support, you know, the nominee. And I pledged my full support and assistance and help, you know, from now till the election to complete the mission. And the mission is to elect he and Kerry Del Rosso as a governor and lieutenant governor here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and send Mehmet Oz to the U.S. Senate as our next U.S. Senator. So he called me after that and thanked me, you know, for my kind words. And like I said, we've had a good, uh, we've had a good uh, conversation here. And I look forward to continuing that as we move forward to November. So, you know, polls are, you know, a certain point in time. You talked about Oz being nine points down. But let me ask you, Joe, do you think that this could also be not that he's really nine points down to Fetterman, but it's just a reflection of the contentious primary, you know, and the attacks on him from David McCormick and Kathy Barnett, and that their supporters maybe just haven't come around yet as quickly as we would like. And maybe that's what's reflected in this poll. Do you think that that could be a possibility? I do. And I think your style of leadership, understanding the importance of the mission, importance of unity. Unity is indispensable in order to win an election. And you have come forward. And likewise, myself, I did not initially support Mastriano either. But I am 100% for our two candidates here. I supported McCormick and I supported, well, I had a couple of people I supported, including Melissa Hart, my ex-student. But we have to move on now. We have to unify the part. Unity is indispensable. Unity is indispensable for victory in November. I think that uh, Doug Mastriano has demonstrated restraint in the face of very, very hard-hitting, awful, let me use the word awful, not hard-hitting. I think hard-hitting, it doesn't explain. Awful commercials coming out of the Shapiro campaign uh, that just are, in my opinion, well beyond any kind of rational campaign tactic. This is an irrational approach by the Shapiro camp and attacking Mastriano. And the the great John Adams 
once said, don't go looking for monsters. He was talking of foreign policy. But let me bring that down to domestic policy and domestic politics. He is trying to create Mastriano. I'm trying to create him in a, a way that people would consider him a monster. Well, you know what? That's not going to work. And it's not not only is it going to work, I think it's backfiring because Mastriano, in the face of all these negative commercials that Shapiro has thrown out, and you remember it happened during the primary. They, mm-hmm. they did everything they could do to get Mastriano the nomination. Yep. And as the Bible says, don't wish for something. You just might get it. Well, exactly. Hey, Joe, listen, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you joining us for the show today. I want to it's thank you. And, and listen, I want to issue you an open invitation you to join us anytime you're available and maybe even come into the studio here and we can kick some things around. It would be a pleasure. Sam, I'll leave you with this. Tomorrow morning is going to be a big morning for the Supreme Court. Oh, well, yeah, let's see what happens. I mean, you just saw on Thursday, on Thursday they took and uh, reaffirmed the Second Amendment and knocked down New York's, uh, you know, uh, law regarding uh, concealed carry permits, okay? So, no, this is great. This is exciting. And look Tomorrow forward to morning, talking to you soon. Nine more, nine more decisions coming down. There you go. Hey, Joe, thank you very much. Have a great day, Sam, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Hope to see you soon. And uh, have a good evening. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe DeSaro. Folks, here we are here in closing. I'm going to turn it over to John Schneider, who has like less than 60 seconds, right, to say to tell you about some of the events that we have here. Hey, John, take it away. Sure. Thanks, Sam. As you mentioned earlier in the show here, uh, later on today here, uh, Dave and Dina McCormick are going to be hosting uh, the Keystone Fest Saturday today at 4 o'clock at the Roundhouse at Hazelwood at 4170 2nd Ave, Pittsburgh. You can get more details about that on our Facebook page. And also on Sunday, the Quaker Valley Republican Committee, which basically comprises of all the committees around Swickley, will be hosting their Stake Them Out fundraiser here that's going to be at Sunny Jim's Tavern on Camp Horn Road at uh, 7 p.m. I don't know. Sam, are you going to be there? Are you planning on attending? I think I have other obligations that day. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to try and make it out there, but we hope uh, our listeners will consider coming out to either one of those events. So that's what I have, Sam. Well, thank you very much, John. Hey, folks, we'll see you back again next week on The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Have a great week.